So this is our moment to reflect upon the Christmas story. Grab your Bibles with enthusiasm and readiness. This is the Lord's Word. This is good news, the proclamation, the story of who He is and what He has done that forever we will live in wonder and amazement about. Luke chapter 2 says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laying him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. They were filled with great fear. The angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, great joy. That will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, here it is, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for a moment to pause and reflect, not only upon a, a season that we've marked in our calendars and in the church calendar for many hundreds, even thousands of years. But Lord, we thank you for a moment that divides history, that defines our lives. The moment where God himself came into the midst of, of deep darkness as the light of the world. The God who came to save and rescue and redeem his people. And I pray this morning, whilst for many of us this is, I'm sure, a familiar passage. Through the power of your spirit, would you breathe life upon these words, stir our hearts with an even greater affection for you and an awareness of the reality of what you have done, your great gift of salvation given freely to us. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. So I, I do have a bit of a thing for Christmas carols, and often there is a particular phrase, particular carol that speaks to me as I'm walking around the shopping center as we play carols in our house. There's not a lot of uh, Christmas traditions that I'm a fan of, but that is one. And I want to talk about this phrase out of a well-known carol that the kids have helped us to demonstrate, to unpack, to unscramble and uncover this morning. Simply this, Christ the Saviour is born. I won't sing it for you, but many of you would know that carol. Christ the Saviour. Christ the Saviour is born. And I want to point us in the midst of that, in the midst of a, a world that increasingly there is there's noise, there's extra trappings, life does not seem, certainly if you're have my perspective on things to get simpler as the years unfold. More complex, more complicated, more convoluted. 
And yet in the midst of that, there is this simple and important, profound truth. Christ the Savior. Christ the Savior. It's like the words that the, the angel proclaims to the shepherd. It says, for this day is born Christ the Savior. See, not just Christ the teacher. That would be true. That would be correct. Not just Christ the healer, although he did walk the earth and perform many healings. Not just Christ the miracle worker. Not just Christ the influencer, although he had more influence in terms of a following, in terms of the impact upon individuals and societies than any other person who has or ever will live and walk upon the face of this earth. But Christ the Savior. See, for a lot of us, we... Uh, we're perhaps looking forward to a meal tomorrow. Many of us have probably already had more than our fair share of Christmas meals in the past weeks and months. But certainly when it comes to Christmas meals, I'm not one to go straight for the salads and the trappings. And a lot of people love, they love the entrees, they love the, the hors d'oeuvres, they, they love the starters, and that's all fine and good, there's nothing wrong with that, but... As, as I approach my Christmas meal, I'm looking for the main course. Is anyone with me? Is there any amen? Anyone else going straight for the goodness of a, a Christmas ham? Straight for the, the meat, if you like. And so whilst there is there's many trappings we could, we could look at, we could look at these themes that come through Christmas of joy, of peace, of life, of hope. They all make good Christmas Messages. They're, they're good. There's nothing wrong at all in and of themselves. I want to take us straight to the main course, straight to the main point, straight to the substance and the essence that Christ came. The center of his message and his mission was to seek and save the lost. Not just to teach, not just to heal, not just to, to bring joy and peace. It's all related and interconnected to this reality and this notion that he came to save. This is the good news of great joy. There is a Savior. There is a Savior who has come. And in fact, if you've been around this year, you'll know that there's been this recurring theme. As we've studied through most of the year, the book of Romans. As Paul proclaims, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because this is the power of God unto what? Salvation. Not unto good advice, not unto good suggestions, not unto just a better way to live your life. How to have more joy, more peace, more hope. What if it's interconnected? But he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. At the center of this mission is a God who saves. So what can we learn as we ponder the Christmas message, as we've read the account here at this time of year, as carols are played and the truth is proclaimed? Let me give you three thoughts around this notion of Christ the Savior. See, as, as I look at this beautiful nativity scene, I think Joy actually, she said Merry Christmas this morning and then headed off to Jindabyte. I forgot to publicly thank her, I think, for her efforts here putting together our nativity. But as I, as I look at this nativity, something strikes me. That this, this is a real reality. This is a real plan. This is. 
And, and, and I, I love as we, as we look at the, the animals and from time to time, somebody delicately comes and places a few little droppings under the sheep and... Which at first, to be honest, I was a bit annoyed about that. I'm like, but I'm like, you know what? There is a sense of that scene, isn't there? As we ponder this, this is a real plan. It's not some vague prophecy. It's it's not hypothetical. It's not. It's not a. It's it's. There's a real reality to it. It's made real in the most real way possible. It's a plan with skin on. See, maybe you and I have some plans that are a little more fuzzy. I, I um, don't tend to spend a lot of time on social media. I don't know how people fit the amount of time they do on social media into their already busy lives. I just simply don't have time for it. I did this year. I, I put my first few posts up on Instagram, discovered what that was, had my teenage kids uh, introduce me to the world of Instagram and put some photos just of the trip that we had because people were interested. So I'm not averse. I'm not anti it at all. But what I, I do do from time to time, if I'm sitting down, if I've got a moment of unwinding or relaxing, it's, it's a little moment of confession here, but I have this little thing for sailing videos. You think, ah, oh, interesting, never do that. Yeah, sailing videos. They're not, not the sort of sailing videos that are just, you know, little boats on a lake. I'm talking about the, the stories of people who've just sold up and given up everything and they just travel the world in a sailboat. Families, couples, some have been doing it for six months, some six years, some decades, and all their adventures. So there's a few of these YouTube channels I follow as they head off to exotic destinations. And as I watch these videos, I often say to Ali, I'm like, sweetheart, we could do this. We could buy a boat and just sail away. Some days more than others, I already feel just the, the warm breeze of tropical paradise and preach the gospel, of course, as we go along the waters exploring and there's a couple of problems with that plan, and I'm quite serious. I, like it, it is, I'm like, we could do this. If she was keen, you know, I, I'm there. I'm already there. She's like, the problem is, neither of us have ever sailed a boat before, which is true. Uh, the other problem is that she and some of the kids have in, inherited her genes. They, they just look. They watch the video and feel seasick. You know, one, one look at a sailing boat, and they're already reaching for the, the vomit bag. So whilst I still, I still hold on to this, this plan, you never know, the Lord willing, what I want for Christmas, just a sailing boat to sail off into the sunset, you'd have to say it is a plan that's not particularly geared within or has very little traction within reality. You know, I'm thankful as I ponder the Christmas story for a plan that's not only within and gaining traction within reality, it's written into very human history itself. So we read this account, it says, For unto you this day, in fact, Luke's gone to great pains to say, in those days, in, in, in the days where there was Caesar Augustus, where he was the emperor, where there was a, a real registration, there was, there was real people, there was real places on that day that really happened in history, in a city that really existed, the place the Middle East, there was a real baby born who would go on to become a real saviour to accomplish the real mission that he came for. See, you can say a lot of things about the Christmas story and about the gospel, but you cannot ever say that it is not crystal clear. 
It's not subjective. It's not, well, yeah, you know. It, it, it is plainly displayed for all who would have eyes to see. Not only was it a day, Galatians 4.4, he says, when the fullness of time had come, this moment in human history where God writes, he breaks in and forever entwines his story of salvation into human history, into our story. It is a real story. Second point is this. It's a real story with a real purpose. It is. From the very beginning. There's no vagaries around, well, why did Jesus come? The angel proclaims and declares it. We, we read it earlier. Elsewhere, Matthew 1.21, it says, even more specifically, that the angel appeared to Joseph and says, call his name Jesus, the very, very name that means salvation, for he will save the people from their sins. So the angel proclaimed and declared from the beginning. It's a real purpose and plan. It's not vague. It's got flesh on with a real mission to come and save. And again, I, I don't think that many of us and many in the world probably have a, an issue with the logic of such a statement as they do with the application. Because if there is a saviour, then there is this reality that, well, actually, maybe we need saving. Maybe we do. Maybe there is a salvation that is applicable for me in my life. And it seems fascinating to me that as we look around us, as, as the year goes by, and I, I don't know whether it's really any darker or you know, more evil, more stuff happening. I certainly think that I'm more aware of stuff going on as I get older. Maybe it is. The Bible does say that things will get darker, that, that troublesome times will come as we approach the time of Christ. But you, you just need to flick on the news for five seconds to see that there's stuff happening in the planet. Another year of, of wars. Another year of the oppression of the weak. Another year of just political posturing of power. A, another year of so much different stuff that has happened and that has gone on. Horrific acts of terrorism. I saw some statistics talking about although the, the production of food has increased by over 54% in the last 20 years, the levels of chronic hunger have never been higher in modern recorded history than they are today. Huge inequality. People starve. There's, there is stuff all around us. The other thing that always gets me is I flick on the news. There's, there's some story of a disaster regularly, and then there's some other headline. A headline like, huge star unrecognisable after breakup. There's one that I wrote down. Or this one here. Prince Harry's latest brutal royal snub. Isn't it this, this fascinating paradox we find ourselves in where we're faced with all this stuff? And I'd love to see how many people actually click in to have a look at that. How many people are more interested in Prince Harry's royal brutal snub? I didn't click in the article. I can't give you any more insight into exactly that, what that was. They're just headlines that I grabbed. Stuff happening all around us, and yet sometimes we're like, oh, well, it's just, it's just out there. It's just, you know, it's just in the world. Yes, there's bad people. The problem is, as we approach the gospel, as we approach this plan and this purpose of salvation, the problem is not that the evil exists out there. The problem is not that the darkness is out there. 
problem from the beginning has always been the evil and the darkness that's within the human heart. That's what he came to say. We, uh, we're in the, the throes at the moment in my household of watching many Christmas movies. Anyone a fan of Christmas movies? Uh, I, a few of us, yeah? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, let's wait and see what he says about Christmas movies first before we admit but we have very uh, common reruns in our household, all of the Christmas, you know, Prince and Christmas this and Christmas whatever, and that's fine, that's all good. I went to see my own Christmas movie, which would not feature, I'm sure, in any of your Christmas movie lists, but it happened to be around Christmas time. But I took my uh, eldest child along to see the prequel to the Hunger Games series. Uh, my wife's already interceding and praying. She was not a big fan of the movies at all, so you can pray for me later. But this, this is a, uh, it's a dark movie, let's say that. I, I had someone recently that said, oh, you mentioned this movie, and I went, went to, to see the movie, and I, I, like, it, was, it was pretty intense. So, yes, this one's in that category. This one is absolutely in that category. But there is, there is this uh, trio of movies in this dystopian future where the, the world that exists at the time oppresses the weak and vulnerable. That's the whole premise of this movie. It's kind of this, this dark series. And then this is a prequel to that three-movie series. Do we know The Hunger Games? I don't want to explain. A few young people do, a few older people are like, what on earth is he talking about? So this was interesting. This was a movie that led up to those original three, and it was focused upon the fascist dictator who was ruling and reigning during these three movies where everything had gone bad, like society had fallen apart, there was evil, there was oppression, there was, there was wicked. So it was the profile of him as a young boy. How did he become this fascist dictator? And it was this fascinating portrayal of a, a young man who he started off good. And by the way, there's, there's spoilers alert. So if you want to go and see the movie, just block your ears for a few moments and I'll let you know. A couple of people there. So he started off good. He started off kind of thinking, well, you know, I can, I can make some good choices. But as time went on, more and more he began, he had this lust for power, this lust for authority. He gave in to his own desires and it eventually made him lose everything that was good. He betrayed his best friend. He then found the love of his life and picked up a shotgun. It didn't go well in the relationship from that moment on in the movie. And he began to go down this path, and then there's this very dark line at the end. It finishes like this. It's not, a, it's not a happy Hollywood movie. It says this, the things that we love the most, it's the things that we love the most that ultimately destroy us. And that's it. End of movie. There you go. If you want to go and see it, you can put it on your Christmas list for, uh, for next year. Next year's watching. The whole point is this. The, the portrayal of the movie was simply that the, the original movies presented this, this society of oppression and darkness where injustice ruled. And yet the portrayal of this individual brought us back to the point that it's easy to blame the society and think, well, that's all bad. But that actually begins here. The real problem is not what's going on around us. The real problem is what's going on in our own very hearts. That's the issue. That's the darkness that he came into. Not just darkness in the abstract sense. The darkness of our own sin. We live in a world that says, well, just give in to your every desire. Just pursue pleasure. Just seek whatever you want.
present this message that leaves us trapped and imprisoned to our own desires, discovering the true reality that living for our own pleasure is always the least pleasurable thing that we can ever do. It's not a happy picture. And part of the reason I like a movie like that is I, I get a lot of Disney, I get a lot of you know princesses and everything's happy and from time to time I like to watch a movie that's a little bit like, wow, that's not where I thought it was going to go. That's not the happy princess Disney ending. But the good news for us, and I'm trying to intentionally paint this, this darker background because it's a real plan that came with a real purpose, but there is a real promise attached to it. We talked already this morning about John 3.16. We have proudly painted on our wall, for God so loved that he came. But John 3.17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world. Into the midst of this picture we painted, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the, the depravity, the suffering, the evil. He did not send his son. He did not come to condemn. That would be the most logical, in some ways you could argue, that the, the right response. That's what we are deserving of, is condemn. We, we are guilty. Not just the world, all of us. But God did not send Jesus to condemn. He sent Jesus into the world that through him we might be saved. To offer this gift of salvation. One of my favorite stories, and I, where, is Ali here somewhere? Come play some keys. And I've used this already as we've explored the gospel this year, but it's good enough to repeat. It's a story of a guy by the name of John of Cronston. He's a 19th century Russian Orthodox priest. At a particular time in history, Alcoholism, was abu uh, alcoholism abuse was rampant. There's people everywhere who were overcome by their addictions, living on the streets, whereas none of the people in the church at that point would venture outside the four walls of the church. If, if they want to come to God, they've got to come in, they've got to enter in. He was the only one, rather than waiting for people to come to him, Compelled by love, he went out into the streets. And the story that's told of him is he would literally cradle these people, hungover, foul-smelling, just in bondage to their own addiction, lift them out of the gutter. He would cradle them in his arms and he would say to them, this is beneath your dignity. You are meant to house the fullness of God. See, that is the face of our Savior who came with a real purpose. He came with this mission to save in the midst of darkness, in the midst of our own darkness. But He came not to condemn. He came to lift us up. Not to say, well, just go and clean yourself up and get your act together. To say, you were made for more. Yes, sin and bondage has bound you. But I've come to set you free, that you can live in the reality of what you were created to be as his sons and his daughters. We're not just saved from, we're saved to everlasting relationship with him. Joy everlasting forevermore at his right hand. See, the good news is there is a God who does his greatest work in the midst of great great brokenness. 
He steps into that midst. He says, put it on my tab. I've paid the price. He hung and he bled and he died. That we might receive the free gift that he offers. So there is a king who's come, who's won the day. He's broken into humanity. He's written himself into the story of human history. Proclaiming this gospel of another way to live. Not the great suggestion, suggested, but the great saviour. It's what he's provided to us. And the only response that is right is to come and to receive. And receive. For unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given. A real plan with a real purpose that carries a real promise of everlasting those who would receive the gift that he offers. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that proclamation that we've read, that we've pondered upon, that we've tried to examine, both in the story of your coming born as a child but hopefully I pray as well in the midst of our own life and circumstance thank you that you came as Christ the Saviour as God's appointed one not just to come and to teach to perform miracles to establish develop a following not just to bring joy and hope and life, for they themselves are interrelated to this one reality. That you came, you wrote yourself with a real plan of salvation, to the real fabric of human history, for one purpose. To seek and to save the lost. And Father, I pray that for each one of us here this morning, there'd be some moment, even now, just to ponder that reality of a God who saves, not just the world in a general sense, but a God who came to save me, a God who bent down and stooped up to pick me out of the gutter, to look with eyes of love, to say, I paid the price, the penalty of your sins, so that you can live for so much more. May we bask in that salvation each and every day, not just today. May it reinvigorate, may it reassure, may it recalibrate, relight our affections of our heart for you every day. And may we always be a people, Lord, who in the midst of all the other messages, all the other noise, all the other stuff, that we live and we shine and we proclaim with all that's within us, that there is a God who saves. As the Apostle Paul said, may we not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Make us a light that boldly proclaims and shines your light. May there be moments even this Christmas as we gather together, moments to bring your truth. 
Not always comfortable, not always easy. But a truth that points us to the power of your saving work through Christ Jesus. We pray that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.